Welcome back to the AudioCast for SamLoose.com. This is our third episode entitled, But What About the Canaanite Conquest? With many of the high-level defections of the faith that they all seem to have many of the same elements. And in this episode, we're going to dive into the Canaanite Conquest and the nature of God. Uh, Recently, I wrote a blog post for David C. Cook for their content site for kids called Spark. Uh, And we talked about how the paths are very similar in these deconstruction stories. One of the familiar tunes they seem to play is that the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament. This is where problems seem to start amongst most modern apostates. They see the God of the Old Testament as a grumpy, angry, indefensible curmudgeon whose actions are embarrassing and shameful. They contrast the angry God with an all-loving view of Jesus that modern evangelical seems to be pushing to fill seats in modern, uh, in modern auditoriums. Because they see God uh, as only love to the exclusion of his justice and holiness, they cannot reconcile how a God could order Israel to destroy whole groups of people. In their conquest of Canaan, how can this be good? How could, God, uh, how could a God of love order his chosen people to kill and destroy in his name? Once you separate the attributes of God or feel that they can no longer, uh, what you do is you feel that you can no longer defend him. You invariably erode the authority of scripture because no longer present is, what is no longer present is a holistic view of who God is from garden to city. I've heard many people say that all of the Bible is inspired, but not all the Bible is equally applicable to children. And I agree to this statement to a point. The problem is uh, that I have with this is in the application of this line of thinking. The problem is saying not all the Bible is applicable for kids is you end up editing the Bible for kids. You leave certain stories out. You, they never hear certain stories of the Bible. They never understand the difficult things, uh, the hard stories. And in those hard stories, honestly, that is where you see the mercy and the grace and the kindness of God, uh, but also the, 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 the holiness and the the severity of God, which kids need to see both. They need to see both sides. The result of this edited version of faith causes them to grow up inoculated to the gospel rather than gripped by it. If you sanitize the stories of the Bible and avoid the hard stories, our understanding of sin is muddied and our need for salvation is minimized. We don't get to decide if something is applicable for kids. Our job is, as communicators of the gospel is, is how do we apply this to kids? And that's a big difference. I think all of the Bible is applicable to kids, but the question for us is, as leaders who lead children uh, or teenagers is how do I apply this truth in God's word that is equally inspired and equally applicable? How do I do it? How do I, how do I apply it? Do kids need to hear the story of Hosea and Gomer? Absolutely they do. Yes. Do they need to listen to the ins and outs of ancient or modern prostitution? Absolutely no. They need to hear that God loves us with a relentless love, just like Hosea loved Gomer. In our desire to find happiness, we turn to God over and over and over again. We love other things more than him, just like Gomer left Hosea over and over. So what about the Canaanite conquest? The reason this becomes such an issue is that we, sp- we spend 18 years uh, of our children's lives telling them uh, that God is not just love, as the Bible states, but only love, as the Bible never says. In elevating this one attribute over the others, we end up with a picture of God that is incompatible with the reality of God as demonstrated in scripture. I recently saw a debate on Facebook asking if we should uh, cut pictures of Jesus out of the curriculums we use and not allow them uh, because it's a violation of the second commandment. This is a question worth asking because we need to take the commandment seriously and we should do everything we we can to avoid breaking the second commandment. 
The question that we should also ask, but we rarely ever do, is this, is, is have I made God in my own image? And that's the heart of the second commandment, really. It's, it is about physical, um, physical uh, representations of God himself, but it's also about this. It's, it's, it's making God in our own image. And what's so interesting is, is that if you find when people make a picture of Jesus, they make it look like themselves. Uh, physically, they make it look like themselves. He's blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and has a British accent, and that's not what Jesus looked like. Do we do we try to make God in our own image? Do we try to make him like us? Do we say, my God would never do that? What we say when we talk about God forms who God is in the hearts and minds of our kids. It's important that when we talk about God, we talk about God in the ways he's revealed himself to us in Scripture. The primary problem we have with the Canaanite conquest and when we read in the Old Testament is people often say, my God would never do that. We, in a subtle and overt ways, prefer the God of the New Testament to the God of the Old. We think the God of the Old is different, leading some major evangelicals to separate the two testaments. In a symposium at Knox Theological Seminary, Dr. Bruce Walkey addresses this disturbing trend in modern evangelicalism. Therefore, I think that in preaching, we should be driving home the values of the covenant to God's. And also, I think we can address the world. The problem that we have to understand, they're addressing God's people. But this, I make a distinction between fear of God and fear of the Lord. Fear of God is general revelation, which is in conscience. Fear of the Lord, which is a special revelation, which is to the church. And I think we can speak, and I think if I read Paul correctly, 1 Timothy 1, and he's using the Ten Commandments more generally to make sin, sin. I think we can, the preacher can use the words of the prophet to condemn sin, and especially the violation of conscience that, that people have. And I think that is a real word that we need to hear. I find the problem is that I don't hear much about judgment. I don't hear much about what we're saying here. It seems to me there's a lot more going on with psychological therapy, making people feel good, and not making people, we're making people happy and not holy. That's what I feel. So the answer to your question is I do think we need to get back to these fiery preachers of getting back that the, but mix it. A fundamental message is the message of grace. But I love it. He taught my heart first to fear, and then my fear relieved. And I think the person who realizes they're lost forever loves more than a person who doesn't realize from what they have been saved. <laughs> In discussing the same topic, Dr. Tremper Longman responded by saying this. How do you respond to someone who says, um, why would God um, condone the killing of the Canaanites to Joshua and the ban that he places on them? This is a common one. Yeah, I, I yeah. oh yeah, right. Um, so, again, I write pretty extensively on this and hope I can summarize a little bit. Um, First of all, um, it's very important to see that the Bible understands this as God's act of judgment against the Canaanites, not because the Canaanites are any worse than anybody else in the matter of they're the worst sinners of all, 
but as sinners, they deserve the judgment they get. It's kind of a preview of the final judgment. What happens in, at Canaan um, will happen on a bigger scale at the final judgment. Meredith Klein, one of my teachers uh, back in the day, uh, described it as an unusual occurrence. It's an intrusion of end-time ethics, that is, what's going to happen at the end times, into the period of common grace when God doesn't separate the sheep from the goats. Now, that said, uh, it isn't as if Israel had the mandate to go in and kill every uh, Canaanite. Uh, if Canaanites fled, and there's an extensive use of a verb garage in the conquest accounts, which means to drive out. Uh, they're not hunting down the Canaanites. Um, there was also the opportunity, or there was also, it isn't as if they were preaching beforehand, but if a Canaanite like Rahab decides to join herself to Israel, uh, it, see, it's not a matter of ethnicity, it's a matter of religion. So it's not like God is saying, you got to kill every Canaanite. Uh, so there's a lot to be said here. But I, th I think the one thing we shouldn't say is that that's not a God that I can believe in, which is what a lot of people are saying. The problem of the Canaanite conquest is a newer problem for the church because, as Dr. Longman says, there's a movement within the church to make the Bible more palatable to the general population. We as parents and ministry leaders need to unhitch ourselves from this line of thinking. The question of the Canaanite conquest in the minds of the people raising the objection to it can be reduced to this. If God is a God of love, how can he authorize, support, and require genocide? This is what people are wondering, and this is something as a pastor I've answered many, many, many times. So how do I do, how do, I do this? How do I answer the question of the Canaanite conquest to my kids, to my children, and to my uh, teenagers? And here are some bullet points, I think. And I think what you can do is use these to form the conversation for yourself and to know your own kids and to know how should I explain this to them. So here are some points I think that are important to make to your kids. There's no difference between the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. God is love, but God is also just. Second point I would say is this, is the Bible is not primarily a story about God's love for you. It's mainly a story about, his, about him and his self-revelation of himself to us, which includes his love for us. Third point is this, is God is holy. God hates sin. The Canaanites were not innocent people. They had committed many evils, and, and the conquest was God's judgment of, on their sin. Not that they had sinned more than anybody else, but it was to show us that God does not look lightly on sin. We see that Israel was not exempt, was not exempt from this either. They failed to keep God's laws, and they were expelled by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Next point is this, is what happened at Canaan is a preview of what will happen in the last day if we do not repent. It is a warning for us that if we do not repent, we will likewise be judged, and the judgment will be far more severe. The next point is this, one thing we must always remember in Scripture is that God doesn't judge people based on their ethnicity. He does so based upon their obedience and disobedience to his expressed will and to his common grace. Next point is this, is God is a God of love and, and grace, but God is also a God of justice. And we can, never, we can never forget this reality that God is a just God 
He is a holy God. Next one is this, is God is not who we think he is. He is who he says he is. He is a just God who is not only just, but he's holy. And not only is he holy, but Isaiah says he's holy, holy, holy. Our first step towards apostasy is making God in our own image. It's to make God a God of only love at the expense of his other virtues. If we were in a courtroom and we were testifying against a man who killed one of our children in cold blood, and uh, this judge is known as loving, and he let this man go free, would that judge be loving? No, he wouldn't. He'd be a wicked and evil judge. Love in this situation requires, and I would say demands judgment. A loving God does not turn his back on justice, but properly administrates it. This is the beautiful thing about the cross of Christ. It is where the divine justice of God was satisfied by the divine loving sacrifice of God in Christ. God is not like you and me. He is other than us. The only way that we will know this God is through the way that he has revealed himself through scripture. Tell your kids that God is love, but don't forget to also tell them that he is holy, he is just, and he is good.